Hello there. Is that a femur? Is that a hard rod? Is it a tibula? Is it the strongest, most painful thing that you could break? Is it a elbow bone? Is it three rolls of quarters strapped together? We're doing two different jokes here. I know. <laughs> We're on two different tracks. <laughs> two different tracks. Never the twain shall meet on this boner on us! This week's boner. We answer your questions. We asked you guys to submit questions to us, and you did. Thank you. We are going to respond to pretty much every question that was submitted, and our producer, Nick, will decide which responses are worth keeping in the episode. Which might be none of them, so you'd only have the intro. You'll only have this piece. And with that, loosen your stays. (laughs) But never your principles. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. You can tell this episode's longer than that. Yeah, this episode's going to be great. So anyways, do we want to start with our question from Twitter, which it wasn't really a question, but I think still bears addressing. Sure. Mary Janice Davidson says she'd love to be on our show. She doesn't have any questions uh, about our boners. I think that's fair. I think the fact that people don't have questions about what, you know. Our boners, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, we love to have guests on our show. You know, there are early episodes where we did traditional author interviews. And then once Melanie Johnson came on, we kind of found our niche, which was talking to authors, romance influencers about their favorite romance novel. We think that's a good, interesting way to find common ground, have an experience, and kind of bring them into the fold of the format of our show. We're not super interested. It's not our thing to ask people like, what's your process? (laughs) Right. We're very much interested in end products rather than starting pages. Yeah, yeah. And we're also totally up for promoting whatever you want if you take the time to come on our show. But we want to have like a good time with you and and not feel stilted in our conversation about your work. Indeed. And you can ask uh, Suleika Snyder. We love mimosas. If you're here in Chicago or find yourself in the Windy City and want to drop by, we can definitely record something. Yeah, Um, hit us up. Our producer has said that we're only allowed to record with people in person. (laughs) But we figured out how to do it otherwise. So like... Kind of. Kind of. We we (laughs) like in person because then we can buy you a drink. Yeah, you can have the full romance experience. Right. Uh, You don't have to drink. Nope. People, in fact, choose not to sometimes. In fact, I'm having a coffee right now. But yeah, we'd love to have you on the show if you're ever in Chicago. Really reach out to us directly via any means. Is that a good answer? I think that's a great I answer. I think we fully addressed that. All right. And then you want to go round robin style? I'll ask you and then. Yeah. All right. So Jordan Stump off of Facebook asks, what do you like to read other than romance? Oh, everything. I'm not super genre-y. I kind of have a book club, a soft book club going with my coworker. So right now I actually read the book that she finishes for her <laughs> after the fact because she loans it to me. I'm reading Three Women by Lisa Tadeo. I'm also really into graphic novels. So the other book I have going now besides our romance novels that we read for this show is Diary of a Teenage Girl. Gorgeous. Which is really interesting. So I would say the things I get super jazzed about are anything. I also read very widely. The book club book I'm reading right now is called Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. I also read a lot of 
nonfiction. So the nonfiction book I'm reading right now is uh, about sex education. Romance is just one space in which I engage. (laughs) Yeah, I find since starting this podcast, I actually tend to read pretty harder stuff. Like I got really into like J.G. Ballard there Mm -hmm. for a while, which I think I talked about on the podcast. You did. Just because I do feel the need to swing hard the other direction. Mm -hmm. It gets a little saturated for me sometimes living too much in the world of romance. I will say that I have read more fan fiction in the last two years than I think I did otherwise. And I think because I do this podcast, I find myself like almost the opposite of you where it's like, oh, that's too sweet. I'm like, oh, I want to dive all the way (laughs) to the center of my feels. Yeah. And that's fanfic for me. So that's another thing that I definitely have been reading a lot more of recently. I guess the answer is all sorts of stuff. Okay. Joanne E. Patinkus on Instagram asks, will you read a poly romance for the pod? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we've been, yes. we've been looking for one for a long time. So we have. We've I would been... like to solicit recommendations. Please. You found one. Well, we thought it was. We thought it was one. It was actually like group sex in poly clothing. Yeah, exactly. And, and I don't think it even identified as poly. I think it was just like a regular romance that had group sex in it. Yeah, it was like, I'm erotica and tough. <sighs> Exactly. So we are super looking for recommendations. I think poly romance is, you know, the future. We, well, I have read The Ethical Slut and don't personally practice that style of relationship, but have a deep understanding for it and a deep respect for it. And, well, not deep understanding, but I understand it and I respect it. And Mm -hmm. I feel like romance needs to be, you know, we talk about diversity in romance, but we typically have monogamous relationships. And I think that's kind of a bummer. The H-E-A, can it hold? And what does that mean when we like open it up and talk about poly stories and talk about the other kinds of ways in which people love? Yeah. And I also think like even like a polyamorous H-E-A seems really easy. Yeah. Like you can be as traditional as you want in that format. Anyways, okay. So that was, yes, please, if you have recommendations, Joanne, please send them our way or anyone else who has like a poly romance that they really love and appreciate. If it really tickled your whiskers, we want to hear about it. We'll definitely prioritize it. Also from Facebook, what are your daytime jobs? I uh, am an event planner. I teach at the community college level and I am also a quote unquote writing coach where I mostly appease the anxieties of graduate students. People are actually interested in our day jobs. That is what Facebook says. I am always curious about people's day jobs. There you go. Yeah. So that's us. Okay. Odd Randy asks us on Instagram, who are your problematic faves in terms of leads? All genders. I love this question. This is a really good question. Have I ever had a non-problematic fave? They all got problems, but are they problematic? Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, they are. <laughs> this is embarrassing. I'm excited to get this off my chest. I want to give the best possible information. Mm-hmm. I had a huge fictional character crush in high school mm. on a certain Howard Rourke from The Fountainhead. Oh, shit. No. Yeah, baby. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, Is that edgy enough for you? That's so intense, though. (laughs) 
sorry, I cracked I just, it. I just admitted to it. I think he's definitely a problematic fave. I don't think I would still like him. You know, I think if I returned to it, I'd probably feel the same way I did when I was a teenager just because it's so fizzy. Hmm. But yeah, definitely. Wow, that is so... That's dark. But you know what? That's what I do here. I'm willing to be honest. I feel like you're throwing that into contrast with me, but like, as we all know, Isabeau is basically a naive, beautiful buttercup flower. Wow, that's that's a lot of self-confidence. I have so much <laughs> self-confidence. Like, I think about the things that I was reading as a teenager, not the Fountainhead. My problematic faves. I have problematic faves. Like, that's super true. I would say Han Solo is a perennial problematic fave that I have. Okay, everybody likes him. That's true. Even though Star Wars is supposed to be about the farm boy from Tatooine, we all know it's about the space pirate. I think a real problematic fave from the Star Wars universe is... Anakin Skywalker? No, is General Husk. Ah, yeah. Super problematic. When I was writing my thesis, I discovered more fan fiction was written about him than Han Solo. Mm Mm-hmm. He's literally wearing jack boots, ladies. (laughs) That's true. Don't read that fan fiction. Who's super problematic that I couldn't get over and think about now? There are a lot of romance heroes that are problematic. I mean, most of them on our, our show. Yeah, and so we have so many Joanna Lindsays. I, uh, <laughs> I, I want to go with someone specific though, who really like rattled my cage. Uh, I will say, I've always been an Emma fan. Mm. I've seen the newest Emma movie, and I was also always an Amy from Little Women fan, mm. and I was moved by Florence. Pugh's portrayal of Amy. I was like, finally someone gets it. Mm-hmm. I thought the same thing would happen in the new Emma movie. It did not. It is not a very empathetic portrayal of Emma. Hmm, that's interesting. Oh, okay. This is maybe pretty specific, but in Laura Lee Gerke, who is a historical romance writer, she also really loves to write about working class women. And in her guilty pleasures, the guy who owns the publishing house is disgustingly and grossly problematic and I loved every minute of that book and have reread it several times. My other problematic fave hero would be James Spader in anything. Ugh! So intense. So weird. I mean, Isabeau said that and she hasn't even seen Sex, Lies, and Videotape or Crash. Have seen Crash. No, not the Oscar winning Crash. The one where he fucks a leg wound. Oh, no. Definitely no. haven't seen that. <laughs> and she's like, whoa, he's so <laughs> But I have seen other stuff. So he is a problematic fave. Okay, next question. What was high school like for you? Who asked that? Jordan Stump put her name on it. It was high school. Like, I was super involved and regular, I guess. I had two high school experiences, one in rural Wisconsin for the first two years. I was in band. I was deeply unpopular and severely bullied in my freshman year and had a pretty normal, very nice sophomore year. My junior year was kind of a wash because I moved to a new high school and my senior year was pretty boring. You met your husband. I did in my senior year of high school. Yeah, way to bury the lead there. You know what's weird about having married your high school sweetheart in the age of 2020? (laughs) Is that it feels embarrassing. I don't like to admit it. Because in some ways it feels like a lack of imagination on both our parts. And the other part is like, we went through so much growing together. We've been together now for 14 years. The question wasn't tell me about your marriage, it was tell me about your high school experience. My high school experience was... (laughs) (laughs) widely divergent. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I remember being super busy. I remember there being stuff where like rumors were started and I remember there being intense relationships with people that kind of fizzled out. I'm not really super close with anyone still who I went to high school with except for one person. Shout out to Valerie because she's listening. But we were close forever. I don't know. That's uh, rural Kansas high school. I really wish I had some story or something that I could point to to be like, this is the encapsulation of my high school career. But I wasn't like involved in sports. I was involved in band. I was involved in, you know, I was in choir and I was in the theater productions. I did get leads in those. That's nice. I played in the pit. I uh, I did really well at forensics and I was an editor at my high school newspaper. I was in debate. I did speaking and I didn't do acting. I tried doing acting and I was terrible at it. Mm. All right. Laura B. Good, one of our biggest, most active Instagram followers, sent us a couple of questions. So mm-hmm. the first one is, do you have any mid-century romance novel recs? 1950 to 60s? Yeah, that'd be mid-century. Ooh, I mean, it's kind of like... Kathleen Woodoweis really kicked me off. I don't... That's 70s. I know, I don't... So, like, Daphne du Maurier? Yeah, I was thinking, like, I have Rebecca on my stack. I haven't read it. But no, I guess, is the answer to that question. If you have any recs, send them our way. It's just a really interesting time, Mm -hmm. timeline-wise, in romance. I feel like I'm familiar... I'm not actually familiar with it. It's just from the academic works on it. And then her second question is, how did you meet? Why the podcast? Any new favorite webtoons? So that's... So how did we meet we met in grad school we were both in the same precept group Mm -hmm. we met at the barbecue because we both had the same animal on our little name badges on our little name badges and isabel was quite cold to me but she was the only person i had spoken to prior to the actual class so she had to continue speaking to me i am unbothered unfettered unstopped Mm -hmm. (laughs) by people being disinterested in me i remember you name dropping a lot of uh things that i hadn't read and then coming at me for saying something about Mizzou over Kansas, which I probably deserved. I don't think that happened until the podcast. Oh, that happened before the podcast. What class was that in? We took a few classes together. It was in precept. It was in precept. Or at um, one of the social hours. Yeah. I'm impressed that I've read something you haven't read. Why the podcast? I can answer this explicitly because it is burned into my retlas where you and I were talking about our theses and you were working on fan fiction and I was working on feminist sci-fi and we were having a really hard time in the academy and you were talking about fan fiction and how it's not taken seriously and how so much important work is going on and I was like you know what that's exactly like romance and then you were like really and then like two days later you're like if we had a podcast it would be called romance and I was like that's the best goddamn idea I ever heard in my life we should do it that's not at all how I remember it that's how I remember (laughs) I remember us having like similar trajectories on our thesis but I I remember after we graduated mm-hmm. having a really hard time getting back into books and I asked you for a romance recommendation because a lot of my academic work was done on romance just because there wasn't enough kind of nutrients in the fan fiction academy for what I was trying to do and so I was curious and I knew Isabel was familiar and she recommended A Week to Be Wicked. I loved it. We met up for a drink and we're talking about it and I was like this should be a podcast. Uh, little did we know 18 million of them already existed and I remember <laughs> In my memory, I was standing on the platform waiting for the metro train when I came up with the name Woman's. 
This week's episode of Womance is brought to you by Native. Did you know that many conventional deodorants contain aluminum, which forms a plug in your sweat glands to keep you from sweating? Yikes! Don't constipate your sweat glands. Native's deodorant is made without aluminum, so you can feel better about what you're putting on your body. With over 10 scents, including their classics and rotating seasonals, you're guaranteed to find one that you love. Their classic scents include coconut vanilla, lavender rose, cucumber mint, and eucalyptus mint. It's also safe. Native deodorant is formulated without aluminum, as I said before, parabens, or talc. My favorite thing, it's also vegan and never tested on animals. It's made with ingredients that you've heard of, like coconut oil and shea butter. So you don't get any of that bad razor burn. You wear deodorant every day. Shouldn't you be able to understand what's on those ingredient lists? And it's also no risk to try. There's free shipping on every order and Native offers 30-day free returns and exchanges in the USA. I can tell you from personal experience that I used to request this deodorant at Christmas. I got the lavender rose because that's how I think of myself. What did you like about it? I liked the texture, that it was really smooth going on and I loved the smell. It made me feel like I was about to become a Disney princess. <laughs> for Womance listeners, we've got a special offer for you. If you want 20% off your first purchase, you need to use the code WO, that's W-H-O-A. To use the code, you go to nativedeodorant.com. Yeah, or for 20% off your purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code WO during checkout. Once again, that's W-H-O-A. Mwah. Any new favorite webtoons? Someone actually recommended uh, Oh My Lord or something. Mm. I obviously love The Wrath and the Dawn. Lord Have Mercy is another one I'm super into. And uh, yeah, got a little bit into Miss Abbott and the Doctor. Haven't returned to it in a long time. I love that one. And let me see if, if there's anything else. I love Socializing 101 and The Red Archer. Brass and Sass is also really cute. Is what I would say. I've been trying to get into a horror one. The Melvina's Therapy is pretty good for that. I mm. also have Socializing 101 here. Maybe mm-hmm. you told me to read it. But Lord Have Mercy is great. I'm deeply frustrated by how slowly it comes out. Mm-hmm. And that's my review. Home is a Distant Wish is also what I would consider like a very like sad version of um, Firefly. Home is a Different Wish is so sad. It's so sad. It's like the saddest version of Firefly. It's a very sad name. But I like it a lot. It's sci-fi. All right. Thanks for all the questions, Laura. Violet Vance 5 asks, how does it feel to be so awesome? Feels normal for us. What is water, Violet? <laughs> Thanks, Violet. That's so sweet of you That's to say. very kind. Oh, uh, Feminist Romance asks, what are your go-to cheer-me-up books? Such a great question from such a great person. What are my go-to cheer-ups? Persuasion always mm. cheers me up. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be an asshole, but A Week to be Wicked is a book that I return to on the reg. Around the rig. On the rig. And I would say that Define Not the Heart is going to be one that I return to in sad moments. If I want to dive deeper into my feels, I read this wonderful book by these Canadian authors from the 1940s called Mrs. Mike about a Bostonian young woman who has to go to the Canadian Rockies for her lung disease and she meets a Mountie and he takes her into the wilderness and they have to build a life together. Is this not a mid-century romance recommendation? We can't read it on the podcast because you can't be mean about it. No, no, I'm just saying she just asked for a recommendation. Is that one you would recommend for Laura? Mrs. Mike? It did come out in 1943. I think 
that's pretty, I mean, like, you know. Yeah, I mean, I would recommend it to anyone. I think it's one of the best books ever written. And it's written by a husband and wife team, which is crazy. But Mike the Mountie is just wonderful. And Catherine, the main character, is also really great. I also want to say I'm never mean about books. Uh, uh, we have I to be real really delicate like, with my faves. You know, I don't reread books. It causes me anxiety. I, whenever I try to revisit something, I oh, think really? about like all the other stuff, I, I the new stuff I could be reading, the new experiences I could be having. The only thing I rewatch are television shows. I don't want to talk about those. Those are too embarrassing. But a world in which I like to return to or something I would recommend for people if they want to cheer me up. I think Debbie Maycomer mm. has a really nice, easy world to return to to not a lot of bad feeling to be had there and I think Mr. Impossible was another really fun read that was a world I really enjoyed being in and cheered me up yeah I absolutely I will rewatch Persuasion to bits I can watch the movie adaptations all the time to cheer myself up God, I love Persuasion. And a book on tape I listen to regularly because it's often available for free is Persuasion, actually, Mm. since we read it for the podcast. But I also listen to Wuthering Heights. I find that language very relaxing. So uh, I guess that's kind of an answer. Okay, Bebkaj, B-E-B-K-A-J. What's the most important thing to a womance? Like the biggest factor to consider? Ah, such a good question. That is a really good question. For me, it's I want to feel an immediate yes. Like, I, I've got to feel energized by it. I've got to feel like something really electric is happening. And I think that is kind of one of the reasons we started reading so many of the old books is because they have that energy and mm-hmm. that, like, tension and that electricity. That makes me just say, yes, something really interesting is happening. Like, I'm riveted by something. I think riveted is a really good characteristic of what makes a woe. I would also say, like, the movements all have to be right and that like something that can go from woe to no is a tanked movement what's something you wish was in more romance novels Mm. it's such a long list i'm like i would love um god just like more diversity i'd like lots of difference in terms of what an hea could be Mm -hmm. i would like i would like more pressure on the idea of monogamy of a single possibility for happiness I would like the obstacles either to be, especially in contemporaries, to either be much bigger or much smaller. I would like more balance in obstacles in general, even in historicals. Mm -hmm. And I would like to see like some magical realism more often. Oh, that would be lovely. We don't read paranormal that often, though. We don't read it, but I I feel like paranormal tends to be different than like a magical Magical realist feeling, you know? true what's a trope you wish would die Mm. and a trope you wish was more popular trope i wish would die secret baby to be honest i haven't read it like conceptually second chance romance you know it's weird i love the idea of it in film you know i enjoy like sunshine and things like that but i i don't like it in books i don't like reading second chance romance interesting probably a theme here i don't like rereading books i don't like second chance romance that's interesting just don't put on your dirty underwear i think the trope I would like to see... I do not forgive. I think that's why I don't... Good thing to know about yourself in terms of your reading habits and also, like, in general. I think the trope that I would maybe like to see die is, like, dudes learning about patriarchy, where it's like, oh, this is bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a really good one. I would just... I would love it if the heroes weren't just waking up. I think you need to write a blog post about the Bromance Book Club. I, I feel do. like it's... You need to... You're always talking about it and never talking about it. 
about it. That's fair. That's the trope I'd like to see die. And like, yeah. here's the thing that the Bromance Book Club did open up wide for me. That's something I would like to see in more romance is, you might hate this, but it's not second chance where it's like something about the relationship has broken and then the romance novel is about it being fixed so like laura kinsale i think did this really well where like the marriage happens really early in the novel and then like the thing (laughs) about the novel is like working that marriage out in what book the first one that we read flowers from the storm i think that's really interesting because i picture that happening at the halfway point and you picture it happening super early on i think it happens earlier than like like how you contextualize it in your brain yeah and i think it's because you like that stuff i do i don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so like one of the so things even, like the way we think about the structures of novels is subjective. <laughs> yeah. Everything's subjective. We live in a subjective world. But one of the things that was interesting to me about the Bromance Book Club is that it is working on what I think is about to be a new trope. Yeah. Where it's the HEA after a marriage. And I think there's actually a lot of play for that because one of the things that Aisha at last is one of the things it hums on is that love comes after marriage. But then it disregards that right it does (laughs) but I think there's space cross-culturally to have a discussion about what that looks like and I think historical romances especially in the early 90s were functioning in that way yeah so I'm curious to see how that would look in a much more modern context yeah yeah see now I'm thinking like I don't like it's not that I dislike second chance I just dislike already married trying to fix the relationship Ah. I don't enjoy that and I think it's because of those like 90s historicals where it's like very focus on the family tm yes kind of shit it is so that yeah i think that worked it out can i talk about my problematic face please just one sleeping bag just one bed i feel like it's so manipulative and so Uh, wrong but like i love it i love that one too it's always like what are we gonna do (laughs) it's like someone bamboozled someone else with forced physical intimacy it's so true i I love and it. And it's also like an easily rectified thing and no one ever No one ever that. does. Everyone it's, feels so awkward about so it. It's so easy to poke holes in. I love it. Um, I do love that one. So I would say I do wish there was more just one bed. Any other tropes you wish there was more of? No, because like all the other ones that I like, like, I like them against my will. Mistaken identity or like anything that has like high drama. I'm always mm-hmm. like really on the edge of my seat and like I enjoy it in the moment. But like generally speaking, I don't like seek out the roller coaster. If it happens, it's like, oh, <laughs> Next question is from Otter Down. I think you know her. <gasps> I do know her. She's a spirit animal, which... We use Patronus in this household. We do use Patronus in this household, and she should know better. Otter. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, Hermione. I like to play in the water, and I also will just fuck up a fish. I do love fish. In my hometown, there was a zoo, Mm. and they had a Rivers of Kansas Mm. display, and so they had some otters, Mm -hmm. and they wanted to show some native fish, Mm -hmm. and so they had, like, a second display, and they thought they had outsmarted the otters. (laughs) And they were bringing some investors on a tour, and the otters had figured it out, and it was just, like, bright red water. Oh, my God. And just, like, fish, like, desperately trying to escape the otters. And so that's also a level I connect with them on. Wow. And I'm very – I love closeness. I don't like to be alone. Mm. They do live in beautiful little families. I think I have two Patronuses. You can only have one. That – Libra. Is not – acceptable. (laughs) As everyone on this show knows, I deeply love whales – 
Do you identify with whales, though? Or do you just admire them? I admire them, and that's the thing where it's like, I identify with raccoons. There we go. Yep. I like to eat trash. I like to be out really late. I like to wash my hands. I travel in my little pack. I'm good at protecting myself, and I have a round belly. Do you know what? Now I feel like I have people who know me in my personal life know that I have lately come to identify greatly with the Canada goose. (laughs) We both have dark circles under our eyes. Yeah, pretty much like the Canada goose feels more right than otter feels aspirational to Uh, me now. Yeah, see, whale is aspirational for me. I will cruelly lash out at someone if I want their sandwich. (laughs) I will hiss at people from the street. I've got like a weird bitchy vibe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have weird witch hands. (laughs) Okay, her second question is, how do you feel about garbanzo beans? I assume this is an inside joke. It's weird because it's not. <laughs> I like feel really str- positively chickpeas? about them. Yeah, I feel really positively about them. Yeah, I if you're roast ever, them. If you're ever in Lawrence, Kansas, and you need a vegan or vegetarian burger, hit up the burger stand. Get the Garbo. It's mm. a garbanzo bean burger. Mm. It's so delicious. Yeah, I have no idea what that joke is supposed to be. The only thing that Otter Down has ever done that I like made ridiculous fun of was she made a vegetarian meatloaf with a peanut sauce. I wonder if like you did something to her about chickpeas, about chickpeas, and it consumes her whole worldview of you, and you don't even remember. I don't. I mean, now it's something I have to investigate. Those are my favorite kinds of interactions. Okay, Just J seventy nine asks: Any older women, younger man romances that don't involve the offspring's ex or friend oh yes suddenly you by lisa claypass we did an episode on that and back in our lisa claypaster syndrome you don't know that he's a younger man though for most of the novel Mm -hmm. but that's one that immediately comes to mind i did love suddenly you suddenly you is a good one yeah there's a intermediate thermodynamics by Susanna nix contemporary it's cute he's probably only four years younger it's not a lot so that's not what you're asking for it's not like a gina davis situation oh yeah i don't know any of like suddenly you is pretty it's more than four years yeah it's pretty big why aren't there more romances where the main characters are 30s and older that is such a good question. I know. It's because romances tend to have pretty old-fashioned ideas of values. Pretty At their core, I think they're still really old-fashioned. And I also think 30s as an idea for women, especially women of a certain generation mm-hmm. above ours, 30s is a sign of a great anxiety. For sure. I will say that that's changing, though. I think one of the things that the Johanna Lindsay early ones really blew up for me is like 18, 17 were acceptable yeah, ages that was for, the ideal. Yeah, and heroin, now that we're and in, now we're moving into like twenty seven, yeah. and like hopefully the next five years we'll move into thirty three, and like you know the idea of like a panoply of ages of women who have romantic lives will finally enter the zeitgeist. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's part of the reason, but it's edging up every year, so that's good. Yeah. I'm just doing my final check to see if we have any other questions, and we do. Excellent. We have one more. Last but not least. Worst romance novel you've ever read. Ever. Does it have to be one from the podcast? Oof. Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, I've got mine. Okay, what's yours? So Jane Godman wrote this insanely terrible Arthurian erotica called Igraine about Arthur's mother, and it's just... 
atrocious. For me, it is from the podcast. It's Lucy Monroe's hired the Sheik's secretary mistress. That one was so bad. So bad. Incredibly bad. Terrible. That's the worst one I've ever read. It's really bad. I've read some bad romance novels in my time. What are some other bad ones that you have that we haven't talked about on the show? Uh, God. Now you're calling me out. Uh, I have a very particular one in mind, but I can't remember it. God, the Viking and the Virgin. She's like a tree nymph. Um, <laughs> Why is it terrible? Because she's a tree nymph and he's a Viking. So it's basically just like weird rape tree porn. Um, oh my God. So that was terrible. Oh, I will say, so Sierra Simone, who wrote Priest, yeah. wrote a less successful sequel called Midnight Mass. Uh-huh. Where I thought Priest was doing a lot of really interesting and highly erotic stuff. Yeah. Midnight Mass was just like phoning it in on success. Yeah. I will say that. I will never, I will never describe Mermaid's Kiss as a bad romance. I won't either. And I think I want to clear the air on that. That was a romance. I don't know what we declared at the time. We might need to revisit. We need to revisit that. I, I I have shared that with multiple people. And like the thing that I do is like, I don't want to warn you about anything. Please don't listen to the podcast if you haven't already heard that episode. Yeah. Read this blank. Yeah. And then come back to me. I've had people tell me like, I can tell just pure joy. I love talk about Mermaid's Kiss. I think about that sometimes like when I'm like to answer an earlier just question. Just effervescent. Uh, <laughs> pulsating. Like, it's like all of those things. Right. But also when we talked about it, like it was joy. That is correct. <laughs> and like one of the things that I do do when I am sad is like I think about some of those moments where we like cracked each other up where it's like you want to have sex like Ariel like <laughs> like close your legs like, over each other and like <laughs> and I think about how hard I laughed and then I laugh all over again yeah loved Mermaid's Kiss but yeah I would say the worst one we brought is hired the chic yeah. secretary mistress also I think one of the only is that a category romance I'm pretty sure it is it is one of the only categories we've read Mm-hmm. We tend to read the old standalones. We do. Alonies. Okay. With that, loosen oh. your stays. But never your principles. Mwah. Mwah. Whoa, golly gee. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Womance. Womance is hosted by Isabel. That's me. And Morgan, that's me. Production is by Nick Gravelin. Our webmistress is the incomparable Jane Bonzac. And our illustration and logo were created by Mary Reichman. They're the best. If you'd like to follow, creep, or connect with us on our social media platforms, you can find us at mans underscore woe on Twitter, womance on Instagram, or email at womancemail at gmail.com. You can also hang out on our amazing website at womancepodcast.com. You can support us by using our code to visit our sponsors or go to our Patreon where we are Womance. Womance is officially part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Discover more podcasts just like our own centering on romance and reading at frolic.media slash podcast. Until next week. Mwah. <laughs>